Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster with us on day 18 as we prepare for consecration to Jesus Christ through Our Lady. We are using 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat. Julie, can you give us a real quick synopsis? What exactly is this retreat all about? This book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, written by Father Michael Gately, is a preparation for Marian consecration. And what Father Gately has done in this book is he has given us the chance to learn about the teaching of four great Marian saints. We spent the first week on St. Louis de Montfort, the second week on St. Maximilian Mary Colby, and now in our third week, we're spending seven days with Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And she perhaps is one of the saints that we know a whole lot more than the others. And so I've just been delighted to learn more about this great woman who lived in my own lifetime and now is in heaven interceding for us. And so we'll begin with day 18, titled The Immaculate Heart of Mary, as we read from the book by Father Michael Gately. On page 75 of the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, Mary's role is to bring us face to face with the love and the heart of Jesus crucified. But what if, when we're there with him, face to face, we don't feel moved? What if we stand before a crucifix, ponder the Lord's passion, and feel little or nothing? What if our hearts are hard and insensitive because of our sins? This happens. We all sin, and sin hardens our hearts. Aridity and desolation also happen regardless of our sins. Whatever the reason, our hearts can be cold and unfeeling, and this can be a problem. Thankfully, the one who has a sinless, perfect, immaculate heart will help us. She'll give us her compassionate heart. She'll even let us live in her heart if we only give her ours. Back to the week with St. Louis de Montfort, we learned that when we consecrate ourselves to Mary, we give our whole selves to her, and Mary then gives her whole self to us. The emphasis that week was on merits. If we give our merits to Mary, she gives her merits to us. That was a marvelous thing. But see, with Mother Teresa, she gives a bit of a different emphasis to all of this. Her concern is with the heart. So let me put it in other words. Her version is a total consecration to Mary, focusing on a kind of exchange of hearts. We give Mary our hearts, and she gives us her immaculate heart. For Mother Teresa, this gift of Mary's heart through consecration essentially means two things that are expressed by two simple prayers. The first prayer is, lend me your heart. And the second prayer is, keep me in your most pure heart. First, let's look at the first prayer, Lend Me Your Heart. By this prayer, Mother Teresa asked Our Lady to give her the love of Mary's heart. In other words, Mother Teresa says, Mary, help me to love with the perfect love of your immaculate heart. Remember, Mother Teresa's passionate desire was to satiate the thirst of Jesus for love, and she wanted to do this in the best possible way. What better way to love Jesus than with the perfect humble, immaculate heart of his mother. Here, Mother Teresa found the secret to living out her vocation to the full. Mary, lend me your immaculate heart. But can Mary really give us her heart? Of course, there's something piously poetic in this idea, yet there's truth in it. What Mother Teresa often said to Mary, lend me your heart, she meant it. Did she suppose that the physical organ of her heart would be removed from her body and that Mary would come down from heaven and give her hers? Of course not. The physical organ of the heart is itself but a symbol of a deeper spiritual reality. The heart refers to one's inner life 
and the seat of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now we come to the heart of the heart of the matter. So let's recall our week with St. Maximilian Kolbe. Remember that? What was that, two weeks ago? (laughs) Let's think back. And how he emphasized the bond between the Holy Spirit and Mary. He said that Mary is the spouse of the Holy Spirit and that their union goes even deeper than a spousal union. He went on to say things like this. The Holy Spirit does not act except through the Immaculata, his spouse. Hence, she is the mediatrix of all the graces of the Holy Spirit. So if we want to love Jesus completely, ardently, and perfectly, as did Mother Teresa, then we need this spirit of love, and Mary Immaculate brings him to us. So let's pray. Mary, lend us your heart. Bring us the spirit. Pray that our hardened hearts would burn with love for Jesus. Help set our hearts on fire with love for him. The second prayer is, keep me in your most pure heart. Or, stated more fully, one prays, Immaculate Heart of Mary, keep me in your most pure heart, so that I may please Jesus through you, in you, and with you. This part of Mother Teresa's consecration to to Mary is the most profound. She's not just asking for Mary's heart to be in her, but for her to be in Mary's heart. So this is a prayer to love Jesus through Mary, in Mary, and with Mary. This is something more than simply having Mary lend us her heart. To understand and live it requires a loving dependence and profound union with Mary. The day after tomorrow, we'll cover what this means and how we get there. Tomorrow, we'll learn more about Mary's attitude of heart. So there is a lot of heart stuff there. Heart of the heart of the heart. <laughs> there was hard, hard stuff there. Cold-hearted, uh-huh. hard-hearted. And, and uh-huh. I'm going to just share something personal, is that I think hardness of heart, that for me, a cold heart sometimes has been my number one thing that I've chatted with with the priest and confessional. And just mm-hmm. that... Well, it's a defense. It's a defense mechanism, I think, because when you close off your heart, you can't get hurt, or so we think. Yeah, good point. And, and whether it's fatigue, goodness knows, just look at the news. And do we not have such an element of hardness of heart? Because it's, there's nothing more shocking that shocks us anymore. And you become hardened to that, don't you feel? That's what Father Gately starts off with this day's uh, question on page 75. What if we're standing before the crucifix, pondering the Lord's passion and feel little or nothing? Uh, How many times are we in church, we're staring at the crucifix? You know, during Lent, sometimes we'll be praying the Stations of the Cross, and we aren't moved. And as I've looked in my own life, why have I not entered in more deeply into that sorrow? First of all, we, we try to just section ourselves off, so to speak. We don't want to go there. We don't always want to enter into that sorrow because we know it's going to require a piece of our very self. And that's the point, I think, of today's reading, is it does require a piece of ourself, but if we are united with Mary, when she gives us her heart, when we share our broken lives, our broken hearts with her, then we have the things we need, the grace we need to go through life's pains and sufferings and to be with those who are suffering, to look at our Lord with compassion and warm up those cold, hardened hearts that we have. I have found these days with Mother Teresa over the years when I've done the consecration, I actually feel the word melt. I can feel a melt 
that goes on in my heart when I kind of encounter difficult moments and I want to get angry or upset, uh, you know, especially to those that are closest around us. Um, and I, I've used that word oftentimes with my husband. I, I just feel a melting. So I know my heart is changing. It's ever so slow, but it's occurring. And the, the key is, is that we can't do it. And we you want can't force no. yourself. You can't say I'm going to be melted today. <laughs> no, we can't do it. And I, I also look at the first paragraph because when it, Father Gately talks about sin, and I have used the analogy of the car before. I mean, we have five kids, and they're in a car, and the dirt that accumulates in your car. <laughs> I, this, I mean, yes, anybody can use any imagery, but the I just food. particularly uh, look at the car. Cups. I've seen your car. <laughs> it's terrible. And isn't it funny when the car's clean, you have so much more enthusiasm, but when it's dirty, you just don't mm-hmm. even feel like it anymore. <laughs> and that's whenever my car gets super messy, I'm like, okay, it's time to go to confession. It just is about <laughs> that time, that one month time. I'd have to go weekly. With your car, if, if my, your car was yeah, the indicator. Yeah, my car's the barometer, yeah. Yeah, mine would be I daily. <laughs> But that is a good visual reminder, you know, when you see mm-hmm. the car piling up with junk and all that. It's like, hmm, maybe my life's piling up with some junk. Well, and after all, the Pope went daily. That's our. That's obviously our goal. John Paul II was noted going mm-hmm. to confession daily, wasn't uh, it? It might have been weekly, but he went very often yeah. for such a holy man, for sure. That's just our goal. Typically on the Living Witnesses show, I, I talk to people about their conversions, about their faith walk. One lesson that comes up repeatedly was the confessional and how many people had their lives change totally when they made when they made that sincere confession and they made it a regular part of their lives. That was truly the turning point for so many people. If you think about the, the analogy of the car, the burdens, the junk, the stuff that's on the mm-hmm. inside and the outside... It really is a beautiful way to look at our lives in need of a car wash, which is confession. And the grace and the joy and the unburdening. I mean, think about when you get all those boxes out of your car, those sweaters or the whatever the debris is that you've piled up in there. That is just a happy time. And that is how we can feel when we give over all of our sins to Jesus through the priest and the confessional. And I can tell you, there are days that I don't thirst to clean my car. <laughs> that desire is just not there, that energy. But the day it comes, we're ready and we go with it. And so the, today, analogy, the analogy is also really good because it shows on the outside, it might not look that dirty, it might not look that bad, but when you look in the windows, it's like, woof, duh. That's a great <laughs> that's point. A problem. Some of us have great looking outsides and really messy insides. So. Well, yep, and right. doesn't... This is what the consecration is doing for us is illuminating because the light on a car, on the windshield, I mean, Father Mm -hmm. Barron talks about so many in his homilies about when the light comes through the window and you see the dirt. Of course, in the darkness, we can't see it. I drive my Mm -hmm. car at 5.30 a.m. I can't see a thing. And then (laughs) about two hours later when the sun rising, I'm like, whoa. And, And that's kind of another good analogy for the consecration. It's illuminating things for us. It's these things, these truths have always been there for the truth of the, of the life of the church, but it's illuminating. What's our prayer for today, Julie? Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary, keep me in her most pure and immaculate heart. Amen. After the break, we're going to start going through the questions in the Retreat Companion right here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
Cherry Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster. It is time that we tackle the discussion questions on our 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat Companion. If you'd like to get a copy of these materials, you can find them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. When you pick up the materials, you order them, you will find that your retreat experience will be magnified. Question number one. On page 77 of day 18, exchanging hearts with Mary, even for a few moments, would have huge consequences in our lives. Were we to see and feel with Mary's own depth of love of God, we would not forget it. What gifts from such an exchange would you desire? Compassion for others as she experiences it? Love of the divine Savior as wholehearted as hers? Depth of prayer and mercy as she lives it? Or maybe something else? What are the reasons for your choices as you understand them? Is it greedy to want all of us? Oh, no. <laughs> no. St. Therese said, I want it all. And that is the great model for us. <laughs> I particularly love the divine, love of the divine Savior as wholehearted as hers. And because I really feel that that would move me to all the other uh, secondary. Because if I love Jesus, to the depths that Mary's heart loves Jesus, then that would want that would make me want to pray more. That would make me see uh, the face of Jesus and those around me, um, and to be more compassionate. And how about that mercy? I, one of the things as we've had some of the Marian missionaries of Divine Mercy walking with us on this thirty-three day journey, their very mission is to combine uh, Mary and mercy in all that they do. And and that word really jumps out at me as I've also been learning more about divine mercy uh, through some of the materials Father Gately has put together and through reading of St. Faustina. And, you know, I can really be a justice person. I want the justice a whole lot more than the mercy for others. Then when it comes to myself, <laughs> mercy, <laughs> I want the mercy a whole lot more than the justice. So we have these poles in our lives that are just a little disordered. And and just, I think this would be a great prayer meditation to take in front of the Blessed Sacrament. What if you actually could literally exchange hearts? And if you had Mary's pure heart that never sinned, never had any concupiscence, never had any of the, re- the leftover yuck of sin, how much would you be able to have that love and compassion for others? It's really a tremendous thing to meditate on. I think when we try to imagine bringing Mary's heart into our own homes, too, then, in our dealings every day with our family, that's an even better call, an even deeper call. You know, a couple of years back, we had uh, the statue of Our Lady of Fatima. It was a traveling statue. Uh, we were able to have it in our home for a week. And we actually put it in the living room near the TV. And I'll never forget, it, it was a very big statue, probably four feet tall. So it, 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 when you walked into the room, you definitely noticed it. And one day... Uh, I don't watch much TV, but Bob turned on a movie, and it was maybe a Friday or Saturday night, and I sat down, and the movie kind of started off good, and then, you know, as most movies in as our day and time, they, it started going bad, and uh-huh. having that statue of Our Lady in the living room as that show was on, we literally turned the TV off, and that was a great visual reminder to me of 
when we really, you know, what would Jesus do, kind of that old slogan, when we think that way, would Mary watch this movie? A- absolutely not. And that's one of my most precious memories of my childhood is in my home, I remember some of the things, the statues, uh, the art that my mother had hanging on the wall, and I have this blessed mother, it's like a vase that you can put a plant in it, and it's Mm -hmm. just sitting on my children's bathroom, and then until one of them broke it, and I was just, and and I had that for like 50 years, and I was trying to glue her face together, and I just, it it was heartbreaking, but um, that's something that I've learned as, as, you know, when I first started decorating my house, that was not what I was thinking of. And now as I, as someone enters into my home, mm-hmm. the beauty of having the images of that, you know, you're a Catholic family and there is a crucifix on the wall. And, and of course, Father Gately's beautiful Divine Mercy images um, and even the face of the Blessed Mother, which is the cover of this book I have in um, our bedroom. And it's the first thing I see when I wake up in the morning. And it's just, it's just helps. It just helps us to keep focused and where our eyes need to be. I think think Mother Angelica calls those holy reminders. You know, we need those holy reminders Mm -hmm. because we can quickly lose track of that. Mary, what's our second question? When we ask for Mary to lend us her heart, we're asking to share in her own inner life. The human heart represents the spiritual reality of inner life and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit's grace and love. This preparation for consecration includes a focus on your inner life and relationship of love with the Holy Spirit. What is your relationship with the Holy Spirit like now? And how will Mary's heart confirm and strengthen this relationship? Well, I think of the scriptural verse that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that our inner side, as we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, that the Holy Spirit has come down at that part in the Mass and has consecrated that host through the hands of that priest. Um, I just I just think about how much we, we take in, um, whether it's through uh, radio, through our visual, through television, through all the things we intake to our interior precious self that comes out the other way. And I, you know, my kids, I look at them and I go, you know what, what you take in is what's going to come out. So the books you're reading, these things, it's such a precious boundary in the culture and the world we're living in today. We really need the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the only way that we can be animated uh, and, and become active participants in the divine life of God himself in the Holy Trinity. My son was recently confirmed this, this year, and as he was preparing for confirmation, we got to study a lot about the Holy Spirit and his role in the Trinity and his role in our life. And I loved really learning about some of the titles of the Holy Spirit, Advocate, Counselor, Paraclete, and, and what those mean in our life. And I think as I mentally, intellectually learn that, then my prayer is, okay, how do I live that out? How do I get that 12-inch distance down to my heart where I can know better the Holy Spirit? And that is what we're doing with Mary in consecration. Mary is introducing us to her spouse. The spouse, the Holy Spirit, is coming into us as we've come together with Mary. And it's just this beautiful uh, flow of grace, I think, in my own life. 
And what a great opportunity with sacramental preparation with your children to just grow even more fully than, I mean, you probably did not take in all that that you did when you got confirmed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I, we checked the box. I mean, I don't even hardly remember it except that there's a picture of me with the bishop. Yeah, and, and what great resources with Lighthouse with Symbolon because I've looked at some of those segments that Symbolon has with Dr. Timothy Gray and Dr. Ed Three mm-hmm. that um, goes through some of the sacraments and to unpack that. And what a great thing for a family to be able to do is to watch that while their child may be making their communion or getting confirmed. That's I think we should let people know what Symbolon is. Sure. Symbolon is the Catholic faith coming alive. Uh, the Augusta Institute team put together a series of 10 videos uh, for part one, knowing the faith, and ten videos for part two, living the faith, and it's called the the Catechism Coming to Life because they go through a complete compendium of what we believe as Catholics, and there are specific episodes in there about the Holy Spirit, about Mary, about uh, the different sacraments, and so as we're consecrating, it's great that we're growing in prayer and our love for Our Lady, but we also always need to be growing in the faith and learning more things, and Symbolon is a, is a great way to, to do that. Uh, you can learn you can learn more about it at Symbolon.org, SymbolonCatholic.org is the website. And, you know, Julie, you mentioned the Trinity, and, you know, the Holy Spirit always gets tagged as the forgotten one, yes. and, and, you know, tell us a little bit about um, Father Michael Gately's uh, third book, That One Thing is Three. Well, the book we're doing now, 33 Days to Morning Glory, is the first in a series. Consoling the Heart of Jesus is the second book in study. And the third book is called The One Thing is Three. And in that book, Father Gately really goes through the Holy Trinity and why it matters. You know, it is, it's a mystery for sure, but he goes through it and helps us as lay people understand this great mystery of God and, and more importantly, or as importantly, how it impacts our daily life. And uh, that would be a fun study to continue on with, Mary Beth. We'll have to see what God has for us. And I think it's important to remember that we don't have to understand all the mysteries, that these resources and tools um, combined with sacred scripture and the teachings of catechism just help us to understand through the church's teachings and their eyes of, the, of a 2,000 year of tradition to help us unpack these mysteries so that we can fully live them out in our life. That wraps up our first two questions of the day. Questions three and four are just around the corner. I want to remind you that Real Life Radio is a nonprofit organization. We are a listener supported radio station. You can make your tax-deductible donations right here at our podcast site or visit our website and look at the special Care to Share opportunities we have available. Visit realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com. Care to Share. Our bumper music today is from Danielle Rose. If you'd like to visit her website, it's daniellerose.com.
Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We are continuing on this retreat, 33 Days to Morning Glory with Father Michael Gately, reading from the Retreat Companion. We are on page 78. Question number three reads, Jesus chooses to come through Mary into history and to all of humanity. He chooses to come to you through Mary. Mary was with the apostles in the upper room when the Holy Spirit descended on the first Pentecost. The Holy Spirit also comes to us through Mary. His graces set us afire for his mission in the world. What does it mean to have our hearts afire? The Holy Spirit also comes to us through Mary. His graces set us afire for his mission in the world. What does it mean to have our hearts afire? How do you feel about having your heart aflame with the love of God, with the love of the Blessed Virgin? How will it change your conversations with others and your actions? I just feel energy from the question. <laughs> just say fire, and I just feel it, don't you? Fire and wind, yeah, yeah. that's our nicknames. <laughs> well, we talked a lot about the heart already, the cold-heartedness we can have, and then the, the enlivening, the hearts of flame, the hearts of fire, and, and I love that image. Um, scripturally, it makes me think of Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus, when our Lord has been risen, but the two disciples he's walking with don't recognize him. And then it says their hearts were burning as he was explaining the scriptures to them, and they were seeing all the connections. And I think that's what is supposed to happen to us, and please God that it does happen to us as we're preparing for consecration and learning about Mother Teresa and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You know, I hope for everyone, and I pray for everyone that is doing the consecration with us and listening to the podcast, that your heart is warming up. And maybe if it's not quite burning yet, it will be, you know, at least warming or melting, you know, just as the hard ice of winter melts into spring. That would be my prayer. Uh, The Holy Spirit, again, is the one that's going to light this fire. That image of fire is always associated with the Holy Spirit. And as we can look to the natural things of ice and fire, then that gives us a great visual to see what's going on spiritually in our own lives. And when I think that I've been um, holding on to this gift since I was confirmed uh, all these years, but now that I'm aware that I have this power through the Holy Spirit, it, it is something that I just want to unleash. And that last part, how will it change your conversations with others and your actions? Can I tell you, this is not the way I was. Mary, I, you would never hear me. Well, first of all, I didn't know. I didn't know to right. open my mouth. But once, you know, just through the love of Scripture study and the, the fact that Scripture is alive, it's not just a book, and that it comes alive, alive and it transforms you, through that and all the many things we've mentioned, daily prayer, trying to get into a habit of that, and the daily Eucharist, all that has caused my heart to become on fire to the point where I, I, I say and do things that I would have never done. And I, and I hope, in, not in a bad way, choice, but <laughs> no, it, it is, it is. And, you know, if we are, for instance, the other side of it, if we're steeped in the culture, if we're always, uh, you know, going to movies and taking in uh, things from our, our iPhones and the computer and apps and everything like that that are secular, that's what we talk about. And how often, you know, in normal conversation with people, you talk about the weather or a movie you saw or a restaurant you went out to, and those are all morally neutral things. 
But as we're consecrating, as we're preparing, as we're getting to know our Lord and Our Lady better, and the Holy Spirit's enlivening us, it does change the conversations and the actions that we have, because those things take the forefront and the precedence. And as we're seeing how great those important and important those are, of course, then we're going to want to be sharing and talking about those things, even though we might have had a really great dinner last night that we want to talk about, too. (laughs) And, you know, just last week, I shared this example with Julie. I was at the grocery store, and when you have two carts, you do need the bag guy or the guy that bags your groceries to walk out with you. And it was a really nice young man. He, I knew he wasn't in high school because it was the middle of the day, and he, I started to ask questions about what he was doing, and he said he was in college. And he mentioned one thing, and he, and he said that, that one of his teachers goes to his church. Well, right there, I knew the doorway was open because mm-hmm. he indicated that he went to church. Then he asked me a question, and he said, um, oh, what church do you go to? So I shared where I went. And as we were unpacking the groceries, now this is the part that I would have never done, but it does help to have a small Catholic publishing company in your back seat, <laughs> namely Lighthouse Catholic <laughs> Media. So I, I always had CDs and books and all that, but um, as we were reaching in, I asked him a question. I said, um, you know, would would you mind if I give you something? And he's sure. I go, like, I said, do you guys listen to CDs at your age? I go, I know I do, but, you know, he was probably like 21. And he said, sure, I'll listen to something. And this was truly the Holy Spirit because I had about... 50 CDs in my car, and I had, and they're in a box. And I reached down, and and I, what I forgot to mention is he goes to a Protestant church and a very on fire Protestant church. Mm-hmm. And I handed him a CD that I picked out without looking, and it was what came first, the Bible or the church? And I forget the, the Matthew Arnold. Matthew Arnold. It's a beautiful CD, and I handed it to him, and I. I may, I'm sure I may see him again because I go to that grocery store regularly, like right. five times a day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I don't need to see the fruit. I, I pr- prayed for him. And, and the point being is that, you know, whether you're at the gas station or whatever, it's not like I walk around handing him out like a, like a street corner. But when that doorway opens, the Holy Spirit has set my heart on fire to the point where I will say, and I'll go through that doorway if someone allows me, and always with kindness and respect and obviously never to convert or anything, but just that, you know, encountering Jesus is just mm-hmm. that, that taking that time with that person and sharing how Jesus has made a difference in your life. It's important, too, to not be afraid to take that first step, because the first time you do it, it's a little bit intimidating. And I have to share, I hand them out to the Jehovah Witnesses. Mm, when they come to your door? Absolutely. We need to move on to question number four. Praying to Mary with Mother Teresa's words, keep me in your most pure heart, focuses you on being set apart for love through Mary. Your mission becomes loving with Mary's heart, being set apart for her, for pleasing Jesus through her. What obstacles do you perceive in your inner life that would, pre- that would prevent you from earnestly praying for this? How do you think Mary will overcome these obstacles for you? I'd like to throw out a word, lukewarmness. Um, There's a great book, The Devil in Disguise. I forget the author right at the moment, but um, lukewarmness is something that I think we have to 
all battle with because, you know, you always hear that if you have strong convictions one one way or the other. Hot but, or cold. Yes, hot or cold, but that's actually better. But when we become ambivalent, like it's, you know, oh, everything goes, moral relativism, um, you know, the boundaries get become lazy. The banks of a river become lazy, and it's hard for the river to flow. Um, I think about that when I look at this question of just how that I can't take for granted that this fire will be there every morning when I wake up. And that it's a grace, it's a gift, and the gift of faith must be, you know, first we must praise God for it every day, thank Him, receive what He has if we're able to make it, um, you know, at two Mass, and, and if we can't, to spiritually read the Word of God through the Mass, maybe readings of the day, um, and just uh, help to prevent these um, events of laziness that we can almost feel like even with this consecration becoming lazy and going, oh, you know, I've missed a couple days, I'm going to stop. Yeah, and that reminds me of our Lord's words in the book of, of Revelation, and I think he's speaking to the church in Laodicea when he says, how I wish that you were hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. And, and sometimes when we meet people that are particularly... Uh, cold or, um, cold might not be the word, but um, antagonistic to us, sometimes we can work with those people, they get to know them easier than someone who's lukewarm, someone who doesn't care about anything. It's like the swamp analogy you gave me. But sometimes a person who asks a lot of questions and seems a little bit defiant and doesn't really understand what we're talking about, that's a really a great place because they have those strong banks. They're going quickly, and we can help channel that towards our Lord with the help of Mary and the Holy Spirit. And do either of you find as mothers that sometimes you get into, even even if it's good stuff, whether it's for the church or for this group or for that, or maybe married with your work here on the radio, that you find oh, when you get interrupted, like like when my child asks me to do something or they need something, and I get frustrated uh, as one of the things, we, when we harbor that unforgiveness, that is something that can really make our hearts hard, and uh, that unforgiveness in our life is something we can count on Mary and the Holy Spirit to help us work through. It's something, too, that I feel is really plaguing our society today. So many people have got so much anger and hatred and aggression towards other people, and, and they just have to learn to forgive. You just say, I forgive you. Don't wait for the apology. Don't wait for the other person to to repent. You forgive them unconditionally and love them unconditionally. Your life changes when you do this. And Jesus says it's not that you forgive. He forgives. You participate with him in forgiveness. Our Father's the one that forgives. So we don't have to actually take that upon ourselves. We have to allow our Lord to help us with that. And one of the great last points on that is you don't have to feel an emotion of forgiving. You can forgive Mm -hmm. intellectually. Forgiving is like love. It's a a decision of the will. So to say out loud, I forgive you, even though we're still hurt, we still have problems with that person, we still have the pain of the injury they might have caused us, it's a decision of the will, and we can say it every day when we pray to our Father, forgive others as we want God to forgive us. 
We're going to wrap up today with our weekly prayer, the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand. Sinful and sorrowful, O mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, it is that time in the show when we go over St. Louis de Montfort's readings and meditations that he used to prepare himself for his consecration to our Lord. The first thing that he reads for today, which is day 18, is Luke 17, 1 through 10. That is followed up by The Imitation of Christ by Thomas A. Kempis, book 3, chapter 47, the whole chapter. He then goes into his prayers, which again begins with the Litany of the Holy Ghost for today, followed by the Litany of Laredo. We are going to listen to Donna Corey Gibson's version of that. It's a beautiful contemporary Christian song. While we do that, let's ponder today's discussion questions one and two. Question number one, if we were to see and feel Mary's own depth of love of God, we would not forget it. What gifts from such an exchange would you desire? Compassion for others? Love of the Divine Savior, depth of prayer, what are the reasons for your choices as you understand them? And question number two, the human heart represents the spiritual reality of the inner life and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit's grace and love. What is your relationship with the Holy Spirit like now, and how will Mary's heart confirm and strengthen your relationship?
Now let's ponder questions three and four as we listen to Marion Grace and her song, Ave Maria Stellis, which is the next prayer in St. Louis's consecration preparation. Question number three, what does it mean to have our hearts afire? How do you feel about having your heart aflame with the love of God and the love of the Blessed Virgin? How will it change your conversations with others and your actions? Question number four, praying to Mary with Mother Teresa's words, keep me in your most pure heart, focuses you on being set apart for love through Mary. Your mission becomes living with Mary's heart. Being set apart for her, for pleasing Jesus through her, what obstacles do you perceive in your inner life that would prevent you from earnestly praying for this? How do you think Mary will overcome these obstacles for you? Thank you. 